Good evening. Welcome back. I'm glad you could be with us tonight to study God's Word, and we're going to be in 2 Kings tonight. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Uh, we'll read through those verses, and then we'll talk about them. This is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. This is a, this is a great story about a man by the name of Naaman and the prophet Elisha that we're going to see. And so, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn. 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15. So let's read through the text, then we'll pray and get started. 2 Kings 5, verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight, and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God, killing and giving life, that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Think it over, and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Then Elijah sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out and stand and call on the name of Yahweh, his God, and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do when he tells you, wash and be clean. So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him, and declared, I know there is no God in the whole world except in Israel. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and I thank you for your words. And I pray that you bless the reading of your word, dear Lord. I thank you that we get to hear it tonight and read it. And dear Lord, there may be some coming to you today and they're having a good day. They just want to praise you and they're glad to be here. God, maybe there are others who are turning in and their their heart's just not right. Maybe they're not really completely focused on you tonight. They got stresses and worries and God, they're just not feeling. Dear Lord, sometimes we just don't feel it. But God, even if we don't feel like praising you tonight, even if we don't feel like hearing your word, dear Lord, I pray that we hear it, and I pray that we're blessed from it. And God, you're worthy of our praise, and you're worthy of our time, even God, if we don't always feel like it, dear Lord. 
And we thank you for being good to us, and we thank you for these words. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross and bless the reading of these words today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Now here we have a story of a man by the name of Naaman. And we see in the story that he is a great warrior. Uh, he's a commander uh, for the king's army, for the king of Aram. He had gone in, he had, he had been able to uh, overtake all of these different enemies that he had come against. He was, a, he was a great warrior, a strong man, but a strong man with a problem that was out of his control. He had a skin disease. Now, I don't know what that skin disease was. Perhaps it was leprosy, uh, but it was something that obviously, in all of his strength, he didn't have the strength to uh, overcome this. Now, if he was the king's commander and he had done a good job for the king, which it appears he had, the king would have probably done anything that he could have to see to it that Naaman was cured. The fact that Naaman uh, hasn't had a cure for this yet uh, means that there probably wasn't one available. There was nothing around. Now, today in modern medicine, uh, we're able to overcome lots of diseases and sicknesses that we have because of modern medicine and these different doctors that the Lord has blessed us with and given people the ability to come up with these things. Many of the things we have today can, can be treated. Uh, we can overcome things that maybe a few years ago, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, might have led to death. Nowadays can be cured, no problem. Now, in the case of Naaman, he obviously had the power of the king behind him, uh, but even still, uh, he could not be cured of this disease that he had. Uh, so he needed a cure, and the cure was going to come from an unlikely place. Now, as Naaman w went on his different battles, there would be raids that would take place, and when you overtake a place, uh, then, then with the victor comes the spoils. And so I'm sure they would take different materialistic things and even some people because it says here, uh, if we read in verse uh, 2, it says, Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. So uh, one of these people that was serving in, in Naaman's household would have been somebody that would have been captured, an Israelite girl, in one of their raids, in one of their battles. And so this Israelite girl is a servant to a Naaman's wife in their household. Now, Naaman may not have known of the Lord. He may not have known of the God of Israel. But this girl did. She knew about the Lord. Now, she would have probably heard the stories of, of God of the past, how he delivered them, the way that God had worked through the Israelites. And these things would have been known to her. She would have known about the prophet Elijah, obviously. And she knew about Naaman's problem. She knew that he had a skin disease, and she knew where he could be cured. And she said, hey, look, look, there's a prophet in Israel. If you, if you go to this prophet in Israel, he will be able to cure you of your skin disease. Now, obviously, Naaman wanted to be cured of this. He didn't really care where, where it was, who it was. He was ready to go. He told the king, he said, look, I want to go to Israel. Uh, I want to go be cured of this disease. And so the king uh, sends Naaman on his way. He sends Naaman with lots of stuff. It says in the text here that he sent him with 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. And so uh, he was going to be bearing gifts when he arrived in Israel. But an odd thing happens in the story. Now, uh, the slave girl, uh, the Israelite girl, had said, look, there's a prophet in Samaria. But when Naaman goes to Israel, he doesn't go to seek out a prophet. He goes to seek out a king. And there was a letter that, that, that the king of Aram had sent with, with Naaman saying, Hey, look, my guy needs help, so give him some help. From one king to another, uh, I'm sending you these gifts. This guy needs help. Would you see to it that he gets uh, cured? 
we see that uh, in verse 6. It says, He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. Now, the letter here was sent to the king of Israel, but it wasn't the king who was going to uh, be able to heal Naaman. Now, I don't know why the king of Aram uh, would have thought this would have been the case. I don't know why Naaman didn't say, no, it's not the king, it's the prophet of Israel. Now, maybe the king of Aram just, Aram just assumed that, hey, look, uh, the king is the highest in charge. He has the most power. That's who I'm going to deal with. Maybe that was the reason why he sent this letter to the king. Uh, maybe he just he just uh, misunderstood. Uh, maybe he didn't realize exactly what he was supposed to do. Maybe he didn't realize it was a prophet. Uh, maybe he just assumed the king would, would get the letter to the prophet. I don't know. But for whatever reason here, we see that the king of Aram is seeking out the king of Israel for healing. But the king of Israel is, is really offended when he reads this letter. He says, who am I? I'm not God. I'm not able to kill. I'm not able to, uh, to, to, to give life or to take it. I'm not able to do uh, any of those things. And he thinks it's a joke. He says uh, at the end of verse 7 here, he says, think it over and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. So he took this letter from Aram as kind of a jab. He thought that he was kind of kind of poking and prodding at, at, at the king of Israel here. Uh, but the king of Israel was mistaken if he thought that was the case. It was not a joke. Uh, and for whatever reason, this letter was sent to him instead of the prophet Elijah. But let's read a little further and see what happens. Because it says in verse 8, when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, so he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Elijah gets, gets wind of what's taking place, and he tells the king, send him to me. Send him to me, and then he'll know that there's a prophet in the land. And so Naaman proceeds to go to Elijah. And when he gets to Elijah, uh, Elijah sends a messenger out with instructions for what Naaman is to do. So pretty simple what takes place. In verse 10 it says, Then Elijah sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. So nothing really extraordinary here. Naaman comes up with his horses and his chariots. The messenger comes out and says, here's what you need to do. If you want your skin disease to be cured, you need to go to the Jordan River and you need to wash seven times. Now, those instructions are pretty simple, but that's not what Naaman was expecting. It says that Naaman was expecting Elijah to come out and wave his hand over him and say, skin disease be gone or something to that effect. And all of a sudden, uh, God was going to heal that disease and he was going to be on his way. He was expect expecting uh, kind of this miraculous event to occur between uh, Elijah and him with whatever it was Elijah was going to do. And in his mind, it was just going to be, well, let me just come out and say the word, wave my hand, and you're going to be healed. And Naaman was going to go on his way, and Elijah would go on his way, and that's how things were going to take place. But that's not what took place. And whenever this messenger came out and told Naaman to go and wash seven times in the Jordan, uh, Naaman got angry at that. Of all things, he came seeking out Elisha, uh, seeking out help for his skin disease, and when the one that he came to seek help from gave him instructions on what to do, he didn't follow those instructions. Now, you and I may be guilty of that sometimes. 
Uh, sometimes perhaps you ask for instructions from people and you don't follow those instructions. Uh, I know that happens sometimes with me. I'm a, I'm a big technology buff. I love TVs. I read about TVs all the time. I know the latest technologies and people will come and they'll say, hey, what kind of TV should I get? And I always tell them, hey, what's your price range? I tell them what they should get. And almost always do they go and buy what they want anyway. Well, I decided I'd rather have this. And so even though they asked for my instruction, which was good instruction, and they didn't use it, well, that's okay. Now, I don't care that they don't use my instruction. It's really not that big of a deal because buying a TV is not that serious of a thing. But that may help us to get the idea of how it is when sometimes we may ask people for instruction and not take it ourselves, or, 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 or we may give people instruction that they refuse to take. Now, in this case, this was a serious thing because Naaman had a serious skin disease that he wanted a cure for, and the cure was right in front of him. It wasn't what he expected, but it was still a very simple cure nonetheless. Hey, go to the Jordan River and wash seven times. But let's see his response in verse 11. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself he surely will come out, stand, and call on the name of Yahweh his God, and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. So, that's what we just talked about there. That's what he was expecting to take place. And he was almost offended, it seems, that, that Elisha would, would say, go wash in the Jordan, because he says here in the next verse that the Abana and the Farpar are far greater rivers than the Jordan River. Uh, obviously, he didn't have much respect for the Jordan River. It wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't anything grand, at least not compared to these other rivers that he was describing. And so he was almost offended, it would seem, as, 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 as what Elisha had told him. Now, we need to realize what the, the healing power here that was coming from Elijah that was coming through the Lord was coming through the Lord. It didn't necessarily have anything to do with the waters of the Jordan. It's not that the waters of the Jordan are, are, are medicinal, that if we go over and, and scoop it up in jars today and drink it, that it'll kill our, uh, cure our skin diseases or anything else we have. There's not any kind of miraculous thing in the, in the water of the Jordan River. The miracle was coming from the Lord. And it was the Lord who was going to work the miracle. And in this case, he chose to work the miracle through something as simple as bathing or dipping seven times in the Jordan River. So Naaman was angry at what had taken place, and uh, he was about to miss a miracle because of his attitude, because of what his expectations were, because God and the prophet Elijah didn't meet those expectations. Instead of being cured, he was going to leave angry. But thankfully, he had somebody there with him that stood up and spoke up and called him out for the error of his ways. It says in verse 13, But his servants approached and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he tells you, Wash and be clean? Now, praise the Lord that he had a servant there, somebody that wasn't afraid to step up and say, look, you, you're in the wrong here, and I'm going to tell you why. Now, sometimes we need people like that in our life that aren't afraid to step up and say, look, you, let me tell you the error of your ways here. And uh, there's so many great stories and great parables and great illustrations. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, is David when he's in sin, and he has uh, a guy by the name of Nathan that comes and and gives him a story to tie into David's own situation. And when David responds to the story, Nathan says, now that's your situation, and you're like the bad guy in this story. And David says, whoa, you know, he, he finally gets it because he makes that uh, connection. 
and here we have uh, somebody calling out to Naaman saying, okay, look, there's an error in your way. Now, you expected this thing to happen, and it didn't happen the way that you wanted it to happen. He come out and told you to do something super simple, to go bathe in the Jordan River, to go dip seven times. But, but Naaman wasn't w- wanting to do that because the little old rinky-dink Jordan River, what good is that? Why would I do that? But the servant said, but what if he had told you to go out and do some great thing? Certainly you would have done that. Now, we need to pay attention to that because sometimes we may be guilty of falling into the same trap that Naaman is in here. And that is we overlook the little things that God may want to do in our life. We overlook the way that God may want to use us and work in our life. How many times have we missed something that God has placed in our path, a way that God could use us, and we turned our nose up at it because we thought, oh, I'm not fooling with that little thing. That little bit is not important. That little thing that I can do is insignificant. Oh, that's not of the Lord. This is, this is silly. This is worthless. This is useless. And there are opportunities and things that God places in our path, and we fail to listen to those opportunities. We fail to do what God wants us to do because we think it's too small or too insignificant. Well, that's what Naaman was about to do here. He was about to miss out on the work of the Lord in his life because he considered what the Lord had commanded him to do to be insignificant. He considered the Jordan River to be insignificant. But the servant said, but what if the Lord had told you to do something great? You would have certainly have done that. I think too many times in our life as Christians, we miss over all the, all the great things that God is calling us to do, all the good things that God puts in our life because we are looking for some miraculous event to occur, something that is going to be big and extraordinary, uh, that is going to get a lot of attention, uh, that is going to have big effects that people all over the world will be able to see, and, and we get involved in things, and, we, and we, we serve the Lord, and we love the Lord, and we expect that God's always going to work in that way, and when He doesn't, we think, well, obviously God doesn't want to use me. Obviously, I'm not good enough. And we, and we come up with all of these things, and we miss out on all of these good works and all of these good opportunities that God gives us to serve because we can't see the forest for the trees. You see, we all want to be involved in something great, but our definition of great may be different than God's definition of great. Our definition of great is what I just described. It's to have big impact with thousands of people uh, impacted all in our community, all in our world, something that's easy to see, something that people look at and say, wow, that's a miracle, that's the Lord. Now, praise the Lord, those things do happen. They still occur. God still uses people in that way. God still moves in that way. There are still uh, things that God does where there are people affected and the words of, of those miracles and the greatness of whatever it is that God may be doing spread all over our communities and our world. God still works in that way. But I would say that I don't think God works in that way very often. Even in the Bible, God doesn't work in that way very often. There's thousands of years covered in Scripture. But yet, how many, how many major miraculous events do we see in God's work? Well, we see a lot of things that God does. We see a lot of miracles. But over the thousands and thousands of years that we read God's Word... We could probably pick out a handful that we say, whoa, those are mighty, powerful, miraculous things. So God may not act that way as often as we would want him to. He may not act in the way of doing something just super miraculous. But he's always working. He's always trying to build his kingdom. 
He's always giving us opportunities to, to serve Him and to serve others and to build His kingdom, and we may not even realize what God's calling us to do. Because we see the little things that are in our path. We see the little things that are in our life. And we just kind of pass over them because we don't think that they're really of the Lord or, well, that's just a normal thing. There's nothing really important or significant about that. But sometimes it's the small things that are the most significant. Now, we probably sit at home and we hear about people that are going on these mission trips to other countries and we hear about these miraculous things that they're doing or things that we consider to be miraculous and and, uh, and we think, boy, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could go to another country and serve in this way, shape, or form. And we look at people like that and we think, boy, that's what you have to be doing if you really want to be serving God, if you really want to see God work. Those are the type of things you have to do. Those are the type of people I want to be like, those who are out serving. And oftentimes, boy, we we pass up opportunities to love people and help people all over the place. And then somebody says, hey, we're going on a mission trip to another country, and everybody's ready to go, oh, I want to go to another country and serve. I want to go do this big thing because in our mind, we think that, boy, if I go to this other country or if I do this big thing or get involved with this big organization, then that's going to be the thing that's going to have the biggest impact. And how many times do we jump on those opportunities, the bigger opportunities, and we pass by the smaller opportunities that God may really want to work in our life? The person we pass by that may need a meal, that we could give them a meal. The person who's struggling that we may could say, let me pray for you. Even if we don't pray for them one-to-one, just, just, just praying for them on our own. How many times uh, is there somebody maybe in our community that uh, that that... that Whatever it may be, you have the opportunity to help them and you pass it by. You don't ever think for a second that maybe that's God calling you to do that. You don't ever think for a second that maybe if you do whatever this is, that maybe it'll change that person's life or maybe it'll change somebody else's life. You probably pass by opportunities day after day after day. Every couple of weeks, you may see an opportunity. You may have some opportunity to love on people and let them know that God loves them, to take care of them, to provide for somebody in need. And how many times have you passed that opportunity up and never thought for a second that maybe it was from the Lord? Now, that's what Naaman was was about to do right here. It was the Lord who put this opportunity to go bathe seven times and be made clean in his path. That's what the Lord wanted him to do because that was going to change Naaman's life. It was going to cure him. It was going to transform him into a, a new, clean, healthy man. And he was going to miss it. He was going to pass it by because it just it just didn't really look fancy enough. It just looked too simple. But thank the Lord his servant called him out and said, Hey, look, if he had told you to go do something extreme, something major, Something great, you would have done it. And Naaman realizes the errors of his ways there. He realizes, you know what? This guy's right. I'm always wanting to do the big thing, but I'm passing up the little thing here. And that's what sometimes we do in our life. Let's read a little little further. Verse 14. So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. So after a servant corrected him, it didn't say that Naaman said anything other than he went and did exactly what Elijah had told him to do, exactly what the command of the Lord was. And when he did, when he listened to the Lord and followed his command, he was made clean. 
He was, he was blessed because of what had taken place. Now I want to tell you today that it's nothing better than doing what the Lord calls us to do. There's nothing better than knowing that we're being obedient to the Lord. There's nothing better than saying, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord wherever I am, no matter how small it may seem. If there's something that I think that God wants me to do, I'm going to do it. And ask God to help you see those things, to not overlook those little things, to not miss the simple things. Is it wrong to go on big, uh, big great trips and, and, and big great events that help to serve the Lord and other people? No, it's not wrong to do those things. Sometimes we are involved in things that we may label as great uh, things. But there are too many times that we pass over a lot of good things waiting for one great thing, only to find that maybe the things we've passed over would have been just as great as the thing that we're waiting on. Some people may be waiting on the great thing their whole life, and they never see anything that's great enough that they say, oh yeah, this is what God wants me to do, because they're looking for God to, uh, to do something, to call them to serve in a way that God's already called them to serve, and they've missed it. Because when God calls us to love people and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, well, we can't limit that to only loving people in the midst of great events. We must do it in our daily life, no matter how simple it may be. So don't miss an opportunity that God has placed in your life. Let's read a little further. Verse 15. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him, and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Now, Naaman got it. He experienced something great. He experienced the Lord. And after he was healed of his disease, he realized and he praised the Lord and said, Look, I know that there is no other God except for the God of Israel. Because he listened to what the Lord said, God was able to work in his life. Now, I want to tell you the same is true for you and I. The Lord will work in our life if we'll let him. If we choose not to listen to him or be obedient to him or do anything he says, then chances are he's probably not going to work in our life. But if we're like Naaman and we say, okay, I'm going to listen to you, Lord. I'm going to do what you call me to do. No matter how simple it may be, no matter how much it may not line up with what I thought your way would be, dear Lord, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to follow you, and whatever I can do, dear Lord, I'm going to do it. Now, that's the attitude that we need to have, and if we have that attitude, we may be surprised that once we start listening to the Lord and being obedient to Him, we may be surprised at what He may start doing in our life. If we stop trying to look for the big things that are going to make us look big and, and make people think, oh, look at him or look at her. Oh, she, she or he went on this great mission trip and they did this great work and they did this great thing. If we stop looking for those events, because there may be a little pride there too that kind of wants the attention to be on us. If we stop saying, okay, God, let me just do whatever I can do to bring the attention to you, to draw people to you. God, if it's a big event, then so be it. God, if it's helping my neighbor, then so be it. Whatever it may be, God, help me to see the opportunities you've placed in my life, God, so I don't miss them. So I don't miss the simple things that you may want to use in a great and mighty way, dear Lord, to help others around us. And when we do those things and we begin to see God working in others' lives because we've been obedient to him, well, it has effect in our life too. We begin to be blessed by those things. We begin to praise the Lord. Not only does, does the one who has experienced the love of the Lord maybe through us begin to rejoice, uh, but we begin to rejoice because our life has been changed. 
Now, that was a response of Naaman. He realized once his life had been changed, once he had been cured, that it was the Lord who did it. It was the Lord who had delivered him. And he knew that there was no one else in the world, in the universe, other than the God of Israel who had the power to do what happened. And what happened was Naaman was cured of his skin disease. Now, God still has the power today to cure us and heal us of our diseases, and he does. God does sometimes heal us of our diseases when we pray. There's lots of sicknesses that God has healed. Sometimes it's not God's will to heal us of our sicknesses. Sometimes people pass away in their sicknesses, and they're not healed in this world because it's not God's will. But but God's real desire and God's real uh, concern is not that we are cured from our worldly diseases, from the cold we may get or the flu we may get, while God sometimes heals us of those things. What God really wants to heal us of more than anything is the sin that we have. That's the disease that brings us the most harm. That's the disease that brings us eternal harm. And I can't help but think when I read about the Jordan River here, about the story of Jesus Christ. As he came onto the scene, he was an adult, and he he went down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, and it was right there in the same Jordan River that Naaman had dipped in seven times and was made clean, that here the Savior of the world and Jesus Christ was also baptized, and he was dipped in, and he came out of the water, and God said, Look, this is my beloved son. I delight in him. And in that same river came out one who would not just, just heal us of our worldly diseases, but one who would be able to heal us of our bigger problem, and that is sin. And through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sin. And just as Naaman was made clean because he was obedient to the Word of God, so you and I will be made clean if we're obedient to the Word of God. The Word of God is is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then a little further down in John chapter 1, verse 14, it said, And the Word became flesh. Now, Naaman was healed because he followed the word of God. He did what God called him to do. And God's word, the Bible, tells us to follow Jesus Christ. God says, follow my son. The one that God delights in is the one that he wants you and I to delight in. So that when we delight in his son, he will delight in us to know that we are healed and we are made pure and we are made clean. And what a beautiful story this is of Naaman. What a beautiful reminder it is to remind us, don't overlook the simple things that God may be calling you to do. But do what God calls you to do. No matter how crazy or how simple it may be, don't wait for something greater because the greatness that God may want to do in your life may come from that simple thing that he's calling you to do today. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you for these words and I pray that we learn from the story of Naaman. Dear Lord, I pray that maybe there are some things in our life that we've overlooked. Help us to see them. God, there are big things that sometimes you call us to be part of, big mission trips and big events, and will help us to do good at those things, but even still to do them for your glory and for your kingdom. And God, help us not to miss the small things. Help our eyes to be open to little opportunities that we don't just kind of snub our nose up at, dear Lord, that we hear about them and think, oh, that's that's nothing to that. But dear Lord, that we that we see that, God, even the little things you call us to may be great things in your eyes, and they may bring great, great uh greatness into your kingdom dear lord and and lead people into it god and draw people closer to you and so god i pray that we don't miss the little things but that we serve you in everything that we follow your commands that we're obedient to you and that we learn from the story of naaman and know god that that someone better than naaman has come dear lord naaman dipped in the pool because he was obedient and excuse me in the river god and he was he was healed but 
God, because of Jesus Christ, the one who came years later and was dipped in the Jordan, God, because of him, we are healed of something much greater than our worldly, worldly sickness, but we're healed of our sin. And so, God, I pray that if there's one that hadn't put their faith in him today, dear Lord, that they would do that. God, that they would follow and trust Jesus Christ, and they'd put their faith in him. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.